You are listening to audio from the Mariner campus of CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Well, good morning, church. How are we? Fantastic. For those of you who don't know, my name is Brad. I normally pastor down at our town center campus. They got me running the gauntlet today. So I was here at the earlier service preaching and then down at town center and then back up here. I realized when I, when I showed up this morning, um, Pastor John Haas said, you look like Steve Jobs. And I thought, <laughs> and I took that as a compliment. And then I thought, wait a minute, he was like bald, dude. So I don't know whether it was a comment on black t-shirts or the fact that my hair is thinning. But anyway, uh, one thing I am noticing as I come from town center back up to here that I I have pulpit envy because uh, at town center, if it doesn't collapse, you can't have it. So uh, I wonder if they have inflatable pulpits. That would be cool. It just would be fantastic. Anyway, excited to be with you this morning as we continue our series called A New Humanity as we uh, unpack what has been known uh, throughout the centuries as Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And basically, as a a way to kind of understand what the Sermon on the Mount is, it's kind of like Jesus' inauguration speech. It's kind of like he's saying, this is what my rule looks like. This is what my kingdom looks like. Oh, and by the way, if you are going to say that you are part of my kingdom, this is how I'm inviting you to live. So I'm going to invite you to grab your Bibles and turn, or your apps and turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to finish off that chapter today. Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse, verse 38. And Jesus has been talking about all sorts of things that are just as important today, that need an overhaul just as much today as they did in his day. And many of you will realize, we, we can listen to what Jesus says and go, yeah, those people, those people, those people, and that needs an overhaul out there. But Jesus doesn't let us do that, because he keeps saying, you've heard this, but I say this. And every time he does that, he gets gets closer and closer to the center of ourselves, and we need, to, we need to respond to him. So I'm going to invite you to stand out of respect for God's word, starting at verse 38 of chapter 5. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also, and if anyone wants to Sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard it said, it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own uh, own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The word of the Lord. Let's try that again. When I say thanks, (laughs) when I say the word of the Lord, you say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. Fantastic. Take a seat. I know when it's not up there, we don't know what to do. Just tell us what to say. Come on, guys. Let's become liturgical. Uh, God of grace. 
Speak to us this morning. Open our hearts and minds and, it, and keep us away uh, from, from looking at other people and how they ought to apply this to their lives. Uh, soften our hearts. May we be good soil for your words to, uh, to be planted in today. And it's not easy to follow you, Jesus. Let's just be honest. Your words are difficult at times. And so take us, break our hearts of stone, give us hearts of flesh that beat for you. And take ground on us even this morning. Take over us even more this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Well, uh, we, lived, we live in an odd time when it comes to uh, relationships and the way we interact with each other. And we'd like to... We'd like to say that we can kind of move on sometime. Maybe we've had a negative interaction and we move on. But um, tell me if this has ever happened to you. Some, someone has made you feel small. Um, you've been in some sort of interaction at work, uh, maybe with a sibling, whatever. And uh, it's kind of burned in you all day. And then at about 1 a.m. in the morning, you go, yeah, that's what I should have said. Has that ever happened to you? They can take us over and they can, or you stand in front of the mirror and you retry. Oh yeah, well you did, you did, you did, put it back. We live in an age where we're taught how to interact with those who offend us by retaliation and worse than what they gave you because then they'll probably stop. We are taught how to, how to respond uh, to evils done to us from movies about someone whose dog was killed. So then they go and they kill 1,000 people with knives and guns. Don't, don't sound too knowing because everyone knows you love John Wick. Oh, okay. In Jesus' day, they had similar ways as you and I have of grouping people so that we could have a distaste for them. So what we do today is we hide people behind titles and ideologies or hashtags. It's so it's good. Hashtags are great because you can just label somebody with a hashtag and put whatever you want after it and then you don't have to interact with anything they say because anything that comes from them is coming from the wrong side of the aisle. In Jesus' day, there were accepted norms as well. There were groups you were allowed to hate. There were groups you were allowed to retaliate, whether they be Romans or they be tax collectors. Um, we do the same thing today, and Jesus was pushing back at it in his day. He was challenging that idea where you are allowed to nurture enemies in your heart, where you are allowed to uh, retaliate. So let's take a look at what Jesus says this morning. The first thing I want us to, to and it's kind of oddly worded, I know that, but the first thing I want, us, I want to say is that Jesus does not want us to settle for relational equilibrium. Equilibrium is a word you hear all the time in sermons. Jesus does not want us to settle for relational equilibrium. What's equilibrium? Equilibrium, equilibrium is literally an equal balance between two opposing forces. Jesus says that's no good. He says, you've heard it said, in verse 38, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. That's evening things out. Uh, in verse 43, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor. So they are, they're good. They're good neighbors. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Just equilibrium. Just balance it out. Whatever is done to you, you can do something equal to them. In other words, meet love for love with those you're already comfortable with, and you can hate those who have animosity towards you. That's a fairly acceptable norm in our time as well. That's how our world works. Jesus says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. 
Now, in Jesus' day, that was actually considered a positive. It was a positive to go eye for eye and tooth for tooth. It was something called lex talionis, or the law of retaliation. And we actually find it in the Hebrew Scriptures, in, in Leviticus 24. In Leviticus 24, it says this. Anyone who injures their neighbor is to be injured in the same manner. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. The one who is, has inflicted the injury must suffer the same injury. It sounds harsh to us, but it was actually in place to protect innocent and to make sure retaliation did not occur beyond the offense. It was to stop a circle of violence that would become what we've seen in, in like gang warfare of things just going back and getting higher and higher and higher. Some of us um, fight in our relationships like this. Oh yeah, well you, oh yeah, well you, and we keep piling it on, on top. Now, there's no evidence this, this was ever actually uh, practiced in, the, in, the, in the, uh, the nation of Israel, but it was, it was something that God gave them in order to keep them from outdoing each other in injury. So you could actually read this this way. You could say anyone who injures their neighbor is to be injured in the same manner and no more. Or the, the one who has inflicted the injury must suffer the same injury and no more. You don't try to outdo evil with worse evil. Uh, how many of you were born, or not born, how many of you... Um, Remember the movie, uh, The Untouchables, in the 80s? Yeah. So The Untouchables was a movie about a, a man named Elliot Ness and, and, a, and a crew of lawmen who fought against the gangster Al Capone during the, uh, the Prohibition in Chicago. And they were, they were trying to figure out how in the world do lawmen go up against Al Capone and his thugs and come out on top? He can do whatever he wants. He's not bound by any sort of law. And so while they're in church, <laughs> um, Jim Malone, played by Sean Connery, is speaking to Elliot Ness, played by Kevin Costner. And he says, you want to know how to get rid of Capone? This is free, by the way. He says, if he pulls a knife, one of his men pulls a knife, you pull a gun. If he puts one of your men in the hospital, you put him in the morgue. That's the Chicago way. Well, he's holding a rosary and praying in a church. Interesting. Today, we could say in the same manner, this is the political way. They found dirt on me, I find dirt on them. We could say on social media, I can't believe you posted that. Did you see what they said to me? The Lex Talionis was meant to put a stop to an ongoing, never-ending, escalating violence of retribution. And it makes sense. Those who are out to hurt you, who already hate you and are out for your destruction, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, that was a positive. That is relational equilibrium. That's what Jews in Jesus' day thought was good. But Jesus says, I'm going to call you to something more than that. You've heard that said, but I'm going to call you to relational imbalance. Thanks for these, Brad. Relational imbalance. In verse 39, it says, But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Don't push back against them. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Jesus takes everything you and I have learned from social media and learned from movies and online interaction and he smashes it with a sledgehammer. If someone wants to injure you, take your stuff, take your time and your effort, live with an open hand. 
absorb it. Why? Because that is the way of the Lamb. That is the way of our King. And which one of, which one of us in the room is going to push back against Jesus and say, Jesus, what do you know about getting slapped? He who was slapped and hit with, while blindfolded without retaliation, who could have called 10,000 angels, he whose cloak was torn and whose clothes were divided up between those who would take his life, he who was forced to carry his cross, he who was forced to pay in full and beyond the ransom of our sin. Scripture says that where our sin was great, his grace was greater. Beyond. Notice Jesus' call isn't to do what is asked or demanded. It's the, the gospel proclaims we do more than that. Relational imbalance, it throws the world off. Is it any wonder when Jesus would say things like this that, that, that people would walk away going, I don't think I can follow this guy. This is a difficult saying. They always sound so. This is a difficult saying. It's hard to follow Jesus, especially when we look at Jesus as just laying out a bunch of laws that we have to try to follow. That's not what he's doing. He invites us to something more. He's inviting us to live out a new life. And there's no greater soil than trying to love and pray for those who persecute us. So what he's calling us to, and if we don't get this right, we will find this impossible, is a Christ-empowered relational health. A Christ-empowered relational health. Verse 44 says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love and prayer. Love and prayer. It's never powered by your own ability to just try harder. Thank goodness. Every single one of us in the room has tried that's not what Jesus is inviting us into. He's inviting us to let the gospel and the life that he has poured into us expand outside of us. Love and prayer. Jesus had some options here. When he says, when he says the word love, love your enemies, he could have used the word, uh, the word philos. He had a few options. Uh, philos just means um, family love, like sibling love. A regular kind of, doesn't it feel good kind of love. He doesn't use that word. He uses the word agape. Agape is the word throughout the New Testament whenever the scripture is referring to God's type of love. The love that can only be fueled by God. Agape is a rugged commitment to be for someone else's good above your own and to love them towards Christ-likeness. It's an active Love. You ever notice that whenever Scripture talks about God's love or Christ's love in Scripture, there's always an action attached to it? For God so loved the world that he gave. Romans 5.8, but God's... You ever read? God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. 1 John 3, 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So Christ is the living definition of what love is. Do you want to know how to love others? Look to Christ, the risen Lamb who was slain. And the obvious question we're going to ask is, how in the world do we do this? 
How do we live out this kingdom, this very difficult teaching of our king and savior? And the answer is spend time with the one who perfected it. You want to learn how to love like Jesus? Spend time with Jesus. I've been reading a, a biography over the last few weeks about a woman named Dorothea, Dorothea Dix. Dorothea Dix was, was part of the reform in, the, in America in the 1800s after the, those who were in insane asylums, those who were considered mad and beyond help were chained up and thrown into filthy situations. And she, she went all over the eastern, eastern uh, uh, seaboard and, and took notes and then reported to the, the states of Massachusetts and New England and New Jersey and brought massive change, massive change about. Many of us, we read biographies because we've admired that person from afar and we want, we want to learn more about them and maybe even become like them. So if you wanted to learn about leadership, you might read uh, John Maxwell. If you want to read, uh, or maybe Lincoln, some good books, uh, books about Lincoln. If you're planning to start a war, you might read Napoleon. You want to learn how to grow a company out of nothing, you might meet, read Howard Schultz, Starbucks. If you want to learn how to ruin America, you... No, I'm not doing that. No. <laughs> Divide the room. <laughs> better than reading a biography, better than watching a documentary, better than reading an autobiography is to spend time with that person, is to let that person mentor you. Are, are you being mentored by Christ? Who is teaching you how to live in relationship with each other? Who is teaching you how to respond from persecution for those who would be out to harm you? Are, are, are we learning our tactics from the world? Or are we spending time in the Gospels? Are we learning about the rhythms of Christ? Are we, are we coming to Christ and saying, Jesus, fill me today. Let me be like you. Make me more into your image when, when we come together and we take communion together and we anchor ourselves in the larger story, the gospel, are, are, we, are we using that to reform our hearts? When we get baptized, when, when we obey Jesus and step into baptism, and if we, if we have it, that's a part of this. Do we follow him through the waters of baptism and say, to live is Christ, to die is gain, my life belongs to him? The other way is we spend time with the family. With your brothers and sisters in Christ, those who have been called children of the living God along with you. You, know, you ever notice that you take on the community that you hang out with? That's why our, that's why our, our Christian obligation is never just a check mark that I showed up at 11.30 or if, I, yeah, maybe you missed the early ones so you come to them. There's always a 10 o'clock at Town Center. <laughs> you become like the community you hang out with. You, you spend time with Jesus and you spend time with his family and you start to live out the gospel. And when we look at Jesus, what do we see? I love the way Peter writes it in 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, he committed no sin. Do you have your eyes transfixed by Jesus? He committed no sin. There was no deceit found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. He who could have called 10,000 angels when he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Do we, do we have enough trust in God that he will take care of justice? Do we have enough trust in our heavenly father? 
Jesus died to, to, to create a community that really confuses the outside world. You know, one of the greatest influences in the first few centuries of the church was that people who lived in a society where slaves would never hang out with people who were out of their class, where women were put to one side, where there were barbarians and then there were civilized people. And then they would not hang out and then they'd see this group of people come out of a house church and all those people are embracing each other and eating meals together and loving each other. That's the community Jesus died to create. Hey, look at the world. Is that not a community that the world needs right now? Is that not something that the world needs to look at? There are people here that if it were not for Jesus Christ, you would never hang out with them. Don't look around the room. There are different political views in this room. There are different ethnic backgrounds. There are different financial situations. There's different origin stories. And we are all brought together through the unity of Christ and his spirit. The world needs the spirit-infused love. Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many, brought together, unified by the spirit of Christ. It's the family way. Have you ever... You ever known someone for years and then you go to their house or you meet their family or their siblings and they look like, like that is a strong gene pool? You're like, wow. I thought your dad was your before and after picture. Like I did not realize your genes are so, they go so, so deep. Hey, to love the way that Jesus is calling you and I to love, this, this living uh, way of expressing love is an expression of the DNA of the children of the living God. And John would say, and this is scary, <laughs> John would say, if we, if we don't love, we don't belong to God. You want the acid test? He says in 1 John 4, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God, and whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. When we go eye for eye and tooth for tooth, when we spew venom back, when venom is spewed at us, we are saying, I don't belong to God, I belong to this world. And I take my rules of engagement from the world. That's not the way of the Lamb. It's not the way that saved us. Who were once aliens and far away from God, but he brought us in. To love this way, when we, when we love that way, when we love that, uh, when we are, when we are, 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 are persecuted or, or we have people who, who we would think of as our enemies and we love them back, that's a way of us saying, I want to be more like dad. I want to be more like my heavenly father. Who, as the text says, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and send rain on the righteous and the unrighteous, basically providing for their, their daily needs. God provides for the daily needs of those who curse his name. 
Have you ever thought about that? God provides for the day, lets them breathe in and out every day, those who are persecuting his church. To those whose life is focused on self-glorification and the destruction of those who get in their way, he provides for their needs. He gives them grace that they might not ever recognize. And then he invites you and I to be a part of that kind of love. To show grace to those who have shown us hatred. That's the kind of love that brought about the kingdom of our salvation and it's the DNA of his children. And this is, this is what happens. So that God would look at you and I when we've, when we've had opportunity to lash back. When, when everyone around, everyone in our tribe has said, you gotta get that person. And you say, no, I'm gonna give them grace. You know what happens? God puts his arm around you and he goes, you're looking more like me every day. Isn't, isn't that our desire? Isn't that our hope? And it's at that point where we, we move from just being receivers of, of God's grace, receivers of his limitless love to manifestations of that love into our communities, into our living rooms and Starbucks and schools and workplaces, churches. Uh, 18th century American revivalist and preacher Jonathan Edwards said this. He said, the soul of a saint receives light from the sun of righteousness in such a manner that its nature is changed. The soul is changed. And it, and it becomes properly a luminous thing. Not only does the sun shine in the saints, but they also become little suns, partaking of the nature of the fountain of their light. So that as his light pours into us and we express it through love. That's why, that's why our faith can never be there's, there's too many opportunities. Our, our faith can never be a private thing because we have opportunities every day to show love where we have been shown hatred. <laughs> and fundamentally, if we follow the way of Christ, this otherworldly, imbalanced with eye to eye, tooth for tooth of the world, we will shake things up. Outdoing evil with good. Oh, sorry, I was feeling it. Not just, not just pushing back against it, outdoing animosity with grace upon grace upon grace. And then we become greater displays of his light. Well, as Jesus ends this off and ends really this whole section, everything we've been listening to, for those of you who've been around, everything we've been listening to uh, for the last month or a bit, Jesus puts this ending on that section in verse 48. He says, Every, everyone's favorite verse. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, I gotta go. So, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everyone loves this verse. What are you gonna do with this? Well, notice everything that Jesus said before this. Even those who have no belief, who are not connected with the narrative of the kingdom of God that, that Christ is inaugurating, even those who are hostile to the gospel, they know how to be kind to each other. Anybody can do that. Even those who do not worship a holy God can do the basics. Can do an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, love for love, forgiveness for forgiveness. But you're different. You've been purchased. You belong to me. As, as Peter writes again in 1 Peter 2, you're a chosen people. Do you think of yourself as a chosen people? Chosen for what? A royal priesthood. Priesthood literally means a bridge, a bridge between God and man. You're a holy nation. You're set apart for something. God's special possession that you may declare, this is what we're meant to do, declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness, you and me, into his wonderful light. 
You want to show light into this world? Show grace where you're being thrown animosity. We're invited to so much more. We're destined for so much more. More accurately, your life is attuned and has been, has been called out, aiming towards something deeper and higher and wider than the narrative of the world. So the word for perfection in this verse is, is the Greek word teleos. It, it means completeness or maturity, heading in the direction you've been created to head towards. How to live your fullest humanity is to obey the words that, that Jesus is inviting us into. Perfection is to be merciful as God is merciful, to live out your fullness in Christ. Like children of the living God, for that is what you are. Like those who cannot be destroyed by any earthly threat because you cannot. Like those whose treasures are beyond this world because yours are. Like those, who, those living in a relationship with a living, loving, redeeming God because you are. Now, some of us in this room have been hurt deeply. And I get that. Some of us have had injustice thrown uh, upon us. And I will say this. There is an intimacy with Christ that you can have only if you respond the way he would respond. There is a, a walking with Christ, a tethering to yourself of Christ, a filling of Christ that happens when you respond like the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. Jesus does not make light of injustice. The gospel does not make light of injustice. We look to the cross and we know that, that God takes it very seriously. But this is the version of God's kingdom that changes things. A lived out expression of God's grace to a world that so desperately needs it. They don't know any other plot line. They don't know any other way of interaction. Before you get home today, or if you spend 30 seconds on your phone, you're going to see this is not the way of the world. And you and I are invited to infuse grace into the world in how we respond. Jesus always wants to push beyond doing what is required, what's good enough, because there's something we are invited into that goes beyond what is required. There's a, a grace that has been poured into you and I through Jesus' spirit that invites us to something more beautiful than just saying, I did what was required. How boring. How boring. How boring to say eye for eye, tooth for tooth, I got him back. How boring. What a typical story. But how transformative, how exciting, how fairy tale like to say, I had the opportunity to get revenge and I offered grace. How transformative. When we do that, when we show that kind of grace, when we allow the grace of Christ to move, move in us and through us, we get on the ground floor of the new creation that he came and died to create. You're living out a future kingdom when you do that. There's nothing gospel-like about doing the expected. The gospel is not expected. <laughs> Try loving your enemies actively. Try praying for those who persecute you. Try giving more to those who have already taken what is not rightly theirs. You stole my bike, don't forget the helmet. I want you to be safe. And this is why, because the best treasure you and I can hold on to is just more of Jesus. The greatest thing you and I can gain is not to hold on to what we have. 
It's not to be safe. It's to get more Jesus. And Jesus says, this is how we get more of him. This is how you release all those things you've been firmly holding in your hands, your rights, your treasures, your, your namesake, which we are always in danger of losing. This is a way to proclaim, as we often sing, all I need is Christ. All I need is Christ. He is my hope. He's my identity. He is my peace and he is my joy. He who absorbs slaps in the face. He who absorbed injustice. He who looked from the cross and saw victims, not enemies. Saw those who were living in darkness and were in need of grace. Praying, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. This is our king. This is the way of the kingdom. This is the new law of love. And for some of us, if we're wondering why our hearts, why, why hasn't sanctification moved faster? Why aren't I more like Jesus in my relationships? Why can't I absorb injustice the way Jesus did? Well, maybe it's because we're taking our laws of interaction from John Wick. Maybe it's because for eight hours a day, scrolling or gaming is not nurturing a kingdom heart in me. Maybe the news I watch and the tone it's delivered, the podcasts I listen to, the things I scroll through are not nurturing a heart like that of Jesus, and I need to do some surgery in my life and let Jesus mentor me. Jesus on the cross did not do eye for eye. He didn't balance the scales. He went far beyond. Where my sin was great, his grace abounded even more. And he invites us into more of himself to experience more of him as we imitate him with an imbalanced kind of love. I'm gonna invite you to bow your heads. I mean, let's be honest. This is, this is <laughs> it's not somewhere out there. This is occupying our hearts and minds these days. We're being taught to harbor anger, and hatred. We live in a culture that can be an incubator for hatred and anger. And maybe even over this next half hour, we've had people in mind and we think, I can't do it there. And we can justify our anger. We can list the reasons in light of all of them. Jesus places his cross. And you may ask, Jesus, how, how can my heart change towards these people? And Jesus tells you, Actively love them and pray for them. Love modeled by Christ. And so in an effort to be like our Father, to be like our Savior, to live out the kingdom right here and now in a very real heart-transforming, hopefully, way, I want you to think of that person. I want you to think of those people you've left behind a hashtag or thrown them in a group the person you cannot bring yourself to love or care about, that you may have a list of reasons that you can justify that with, a reason for your distaste. Maybe it's someone in your home. Maybe it's someone at work. Maybe it's someone from a distance you've never even met. You've just heard about them in the news. You've seen them post something. Hold that person in the center of your thoughts, that person who is made in the image of God, for whom Christ died to save, for whom he desires relationship. I want you to pray that God would bless them. Pray for their well-being. Pray that they would understand the love that God holds for them.
Pray that God would grant them health, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Pray that he would bless them financially and in their relationships. Pray that the grace of God would be known and understood more deeply by them. And if need be, declare that in light of the grace you have been given, you forgive them in Jesus' name. And therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.